0: And welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. Welcome back. This is the episode of January 20th, 2022. My guest this week is Cécile Philippe. She's the president of the Institut Economique Molinari, a Franco-Belgian think tank focused on promoting a better understanding of economic phenomena and challenges by making them accessible to the general public. We are talking to Cécile about uh, the new French presidency and the notion of Emmanuel Macron, president of France, about tax sovereignty and taxing digital uh, businesses, how that will work um, and uh, what the effects might be for consumers. You can listen to the entire interview at the end of this episode. Also in this episode, and we will be continuing to talk about France all throughout, now that the French presidency of the European Union has officially started and will be going on for six months. We'll be talking about a slowdown uh, by Poland and Hungary on uh, global tax rates. These are global minimum tax rates, which are supported by, by France specifically and other countries in the European Union. And also Macron says that he's proud to oppose trade deals. So uh, we'll be talking about that as well. And as always, of course, if you support this podcast, you can make a donation to the Consumer Choice Center by going on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate. So let's get started. So global minimum tax rate. So this is something that has been going on in the OECD for a while. This is a conversation about uh, how much businesses should be taxed, but also where they should be taxed. Um, So uh, there are two pillars to an agreement that was reached uh, a, a while back. And uh, these two pillars are, 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 are tackling different problems. So pillar one reallocates part of the taxes paid by large and highly profitable multinationals From the jurisdiction of their headquarters to the jurisdiction in which the turnover is made. So basically, um, where is the money made, not where is the company headquartered. So you might know that in the European Union, there are countries that are more profitable, um, more interesting, let's say, for companies to be located in. Uh, I'm from one of them, uh, being Luxembourg, and then there's Ireland as well. So for instance, if you buy a product from uh, Apple, you get it sent Um, officially from a company called Apple Sales International, which is based in Dublin, Ireland, because Apple pays lower taxes there. Now, that tax competition has actually been very good for the European Union, unlike what many politicians will be telling you, uh, because it has also kept a lid on the the ability to increase taxes in those that already have high taxes. And France is definitely uh, one of them. Here's a clip from uh, from Learn Liberty, uh, the YouTube channel, which uh, I find very interesting.
1: And for the for the European Union um, and the bureaucrats in Brussels, this was always a big, big problem. Unfortunately for them, all those um, efforts to harmonize those those tax rates failed because of the unanimity standards. And so those countries always voted against. They decided, oh, you know, we could um, try to work with the OECD on some form of a global tax agreement um, that would cover. The way we tax corporations, but it would also, in pillar two, impose a global minimum tax. The picture is no different on the other side of the pond. The Biden administration has been particularly eager to reach an agreement because a global minimum tax is closely tied to their plans to raise the corporate tax rate in the United States to 28 percent, up from 21 percent. But surely he knows that will make competition worse for American companies. Then why does he want to do it? When Biden came into office, um, he saw that he has the same problem, uh, essentially, as the European Union. Um, and so he decided, if I want to raise taxes domestically, um, the U.S. will be less competitive than uh, before. And so it might be a good idea to have a high global minimum tax in order to artificially protect the U.S. and, and, and make sure it, it remains competitive. And I think that is the more important reason, is that he discovered that this is um, uh, a good way to form a tax cartel to restrict and eliminate, essentially eliminate competition. Uh, but even China, uh, even communist China, has a lower rate um, than what Biden is proposing. He needs all that revenue uh, for his spending spree. Um, you know, he uh, he proposed uh, close to two uh, to three trillion dollars in
0: new spending. I'll be putting the link to this video. Um, down below. It is called Global Tax Rates Explained. So you can watch the entire thing by clicking on the link in the description. Um, and so it seems that uh, we will be continuing to, to, to have these conversations, especially because Pillar 2, um, this is where it also gets interesting, uh, and that was addressed just in the video uh, now, um, brings in the minimum tax rate. So that is supposed to be 15%. And, um, and, it, and it definitely ruffles uh, some feathers and should ruffle some feathers, um, notably because um, there are c- countries in Europe that already have a tax rate that is lower than this. Now, of course, corporate income tax is complicated because there's a lot of variables as to how much you really end up paying, and there's a lot of tax deductions that companies have as a result of investment into research and development. Uh, but it now seems that Poland... And Hungary wants to slow down the process, even though France wants this minimum tax rate implemented as soon as possible. Um, and there's other countries that are skeptical, uh, including uh, Estonia and uh, Malta. Ireland, interestingly, seems to be supportive, and Luxembourg as well, unfortunately. Um, and I think this is, this comes back to something that we will be, uh, well, it's actually coming forward to something that we'll be addressing. Uh, Cecile Philippe, our guest this week, will be talking about this in the, in the interview you can listen to at the end of the episode where she really emphasizes the fact that uh, corporations don't pay taxes. It's always uh, um, consumers, well, in most cases consumers, that will be ending up paying those taxes. And that's very important to know when we talk about anything from corporate taxation, digital taxation, whatever you want to call it, it is consumers that actually end up paying these taxes. In his speech in the European Parliament yesterday, uh, Emmanuel Macron also mentioned uh, his continued opposition to trade deals um, people to the left of him that were speaking in the European Parliament uh, today, if you follow the conversations there, I think it was a very interesting debate and they, they mentioned that oh Macron is too supportive of free trade deals. Of course, the opposite is true. Uh, France has been very much um, opposed to many of the trade deals. Uh, we can talk about uh, Mercosur. We had some episodes about the effects uh, that Mercosur, the very positive effects that Mercosur could have for European consumers having more choices and more differing uh, quality of products, uh, but also uh, rivaling China, China being increasingly uh, influential in South America and rivaling China uh, by by concluding a big trade deal uh, with South American uh, countries through the Mercosur agreement would be great. Um, So France has, has definitely been opposing that, also opposing or definitely on, a, on the very critical side when it comes to allowing uh, uh, agricultural uh, imports from the United States, which is notably the reason why we still don't have uh, a US-EU trade agreement. So unfortunately, uh, that seems to be continuing. France's opposition to trade agreements continue. And, uh, and apparently Macron is, uh, is proud of it. He said, quote, we were the first to speak out against trade agreements. Um, France is the country that has been the most opposed to the signing of new arrangements. Um, So unfortunately um, we we seem to be continuing with the cronyism of the French and and unfortunately the Irish as well. It's been actually uh, French and and, uh, and Irish beef farmers that were very opposed to the trade agreement with South American countries. And, uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't provide more choice to consumers. The interesting thing ultimately in this is that if we accept that free trade is good within the European Union, even if there's considerable uh, uh, differences in sort of the economic performance of these countries, then why shouldn't we be vouching for agreements with, with countries across the world? And now, and before we get to the interview of this week, um, I wanted to play you a little clip from uh, Macron's speech today, where he started talking about uh, uh, digital companies. Now, this doesn't entirely relate to the interview we had, um, and and it definitely doesn't cover the entire thing that the. The, the French EU presidency is going to be about, uh, but he did mention it and I wanted to play that clip for you. Which, by the way, is of course dubbed into English from uh, from French um, interpretation by the European Parliament.
2: Our challenge is a double challenge. First of all, to build a genuine single digital market so that we can create European mm-hmm. flagships and champions. There's investing in new technology, in new sectors, as the Commission has proposed on many occasions it's consolidating a Europe that can finance these champions and can simplify its law so that we can build a genuine single market, a domestic market which is huge in scale and at the same time Europe needs to work with the digital stakeholders to protect this enlightened spirit to protect our rights, our freedoms the respect for people's private lives, battle against hate speech and division. That's why, along with you, honourable members of the European Parliament, we're going to be putting forward important texts which need to be completed, texts on digital services, which you'll be ruling on tomorrow, and in the next few months, we could see the emergence of a European digital model, which simultaneously will provide for free and fair competition between stakeholders and stop platforms killing innovation and making sure they protect citizens. The second thing we need, the things we need to do will have to allow us to provide economic protection for digital stakeholders, because sometimes these champions don't behave as champions should. So interesting there, uh, he
0: didn't mention anything about digital taxation, even though there has not only been a suggestion pushed by France to the European Commission, but also something that is actually part of the way we're going to be reimbursing the debt that we've taken up during the uh, COVID-19 recovery plans. Uh, So yeah, I'm bringing on Cécile Philippe. She's the president of the Institut Économique Molinari, Franco-Belgian think tank uh, uh, focused on economics. So uh, yeah, take it away. All right, Cécile. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, France has just taken over the presidency of the European uh, Union, a rotating presidency. So it's going to be for a total of six months. And um, President Macron has said that he also wants to focus on uh, tech sovereignty and put the emphasis on the importance of Europe being an important tech player. Uh, Now, why exactly is President Macron so interested in this topic of Europe being, having these big tech companies? Why is that important?
3: Actually... I would tend to agree with him. It is crucial uh, to uh, to to be interested in uh, in tech companies or actually in technology or or digital um, uh, issues. Why? Because I think uh, I agree with Alvin and Heidi Toffler. You know, they wrote a book in two thousand seven, uh, Revolutionary Wealth, and and they were saying that we were living through the most profound. Uh, up evil of the global knowledge system because our species uh, since our species uh, began to think because actually there is a change in the in the criteria of power i mean in the in the in the past century that was oil and that was metallurgy and now it's actually um, uh, information system and and to be a master of the system has become a geopolitical question so the the fact that is interested is in this issue is actually um, uh, I think it's it's normal and is uh, is a leader and, and, and in this way I would say that it's it's important that he cares for this issue. I would be much more critical about the way he is is uh, interested in this issue and actually in the way France has been um, uh, uh, pursuing. Uh, Kind of national sovereignty in this issue, and, and I, I would argue that it does not, it's not going to help. And it underst and it completely underestimates uh, our position, the European position or the French position in uh, the uh, digital revolution.
0: So, France has been an, an adamant advocate of the digital taxation through the European Union. I know that France has already uh, imposed similar tax on a national level. Uh, When we look at the tech giants that we're talking about, um, I think there's only Spotify in Europe that really is considered somewhat of a big tech player. All the others are American. Um, The the, the tech companies themselves have have complained in a way that they've said this is a type of protectionism against American companies uh, because Europe is... I don't know, jealous of not creating its own players. So, how do you see this digital taxation as a method to boost European players?
3: Actually, it's not going to boost any anyone. Actually, um, it's it's interesting that the the tech giants I've I've found uh, annoying be taxed because actually they are not going to pay the tax. It's, uh, you know, that's something that people do not really understand. We call that in economics, incidence taxation. It means that it's not because someone is collecting the tax that they are paying it. Actually, it's you and it's uh, businesses. I mean, it's only, it's only people that are paying uh, a taxation, be they consumers, be they um, uh, shareholders or employees. And in, in the in the in the in the case of big tech companies you know it should be obvious that they have the power to transfer the tax and I, I love saying so that people really understand that when a company when a business company cannot transfer the tax it stops working it stops running because actually a company it's nothing this uh, except doing stuff in order to uh, to to provide a service or a product to, to people who are ready to pay it so either consumer pay it when there is very uh, when there is low competition uh, usually consumer have to pay a, a higher price because the, the tax is is transferred to them when it's not possible because there is a lot of international competition then actually the tax is going mainly to the, the, the employees because even the shareholders, you know, today capital can move very easily. So usually, actually, when you put some taxation as the one that uh, France has put on, on tax giants, the, the tax is transferred directly to, uh, to the employees who are going to, pay, to be paid less or actually even, uh, you know, it's, it's, it directly leads to more unemployment. And actually, it's interesting because digital taxation is very much like a production tax, that's one thing that that's one issue we've been doing a lot of work on. And France is leader on production taxes. And, and we really believe that it, there is a directly between the amount of the tax, taxation and unemployment. So so we should not get confused. There is a lot of narratives and storytelling about digital taxation. First of all, tech giants pay the the, uh, the, the the same I mean in proportion this, they pay the same amount of taxes as all the uh, firms of the same size. and then they do not pay, they transfer it to whoever is going to be uh, able to support the tax. and because they are very big players, they can do that very easily. And they did it. I mean, maybe you saw in the news that uh, first, um, I think it was first Apple, and then it was Amazon, and then it was Google recently, you know, saying that they, they are transferring the tax. So, so this is absolutely not a way to help on this issue. Actually, we need big players. And that's that's what we should think about. How do we make possible for Europe to have big players that are going to be able to impose some rules and to...
0: Well, then let's get into that. How do we do that? What do we need to do to create um, a Silicon Valley of Europe? What does it actually take?
3: We need capital and we need a, a way to, to, uh, to, to transfer capital to, uh, to firms so that they can grow what what is really missing i would say on the on the european place and the european environment is the nasdaq you know we don't have nasdaq and we and so we are very good at creating startups uh we are very good at uh at, at at making we we have a lot of creative people so they do create a lot of stuff but then they when they need to grow they do not find the capital that they need in order to grow. And so they go to places where they can find it. That's where we, we have a lot of work to do so that those companies will be able to grow. And if we just focus on the case of France, that's also a reason why we we believe that we need pension funds. Uh, we do not have pension funds in uh, in uh, in uh, in France, except in the public sector. There is a small one that is growing great and doing really good so we think we need to copy it uh, in other areas so but but that's exactly the kind of things we need to do because we need a way to transfer the capital to those who need it so that we will have uh, big players and and become smart because one thing i want really to uh, to emphasize again is that we haven't we completely underestimate the, 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 the dependence we have on digital technologies. I mean, it's it, 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 an index is going to be published by a German university in the next month and, and the numbers are just amazing. We are completely dependent. So we are, besides big player, we, we, we are going to, to need to be really smart about how we can compete with those uh, tech giants and make sure that uh, they do not impose all their rules you know because that because I agree it's a question but uh, but do not confuse the the, the 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 or do not miss the target with taxation that is that is going to hit us or very very complicated um, uh, regulation that you know are always the same the same thing uh, that I mean they are, they are not able to, to reach the goal.
0: Cécile, I had one more question for you before, uh, before the end of the segment, and that is that uh, French governments consecutively, I think especially since the presidency of, of, of Sarkozy, have um, looked in Europe towards what they call tax havens. I am from one myself, uh, from Luxembourg. Uh, Ireland is also in the focus of the French government, saying that some of these companies have reoriented themselves to tax havens, low-tax countries within Europe. And what we need instead is um, a a unitary norm of taxation – uh, with, throughout the European Union, we should give up on this veto power of member states in the European Union, that we should, we should not have diversity of taxation rules. France is very adamant about this. What is your view? Because you would be one of the very few French people I know who would maybe have a different view on this. So, so what's your take?
3: I would say you know life is very malicious because actually you're right uh, a lot of companies would uh, would uh, s- um, settle in Ireland because uh, taxation was uh, was lower but I guess you saw that Ireland has been uh, has been uh, in competition with the US because actually the US decided to decrease their level of taxation and then companies went back to the US so actually you know you know, yes, there is the, this competi- competition dynamics, but first we should not look only at Europe because actually the, the, the world is big and, and we are very international. And and, and again the, 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 the main question is does taxation is going to help us get the big giants that we need? I don't we, we have the highest level of taxation in in I mean in the Western world. And, I, and we do not have the tech giants, so maybe it's time to think about another way to uh, to help those companies to uh, to to grow and and to and to find the capital again, because because that's that's the one thing you know it's not because you are going to tax me more if it does not go to people who are able to set up companies and and compete with these uh, uh, U.S. companies or Chinese companies because of course they are also in the game. You know, we'll be nowhere. So, so you know, again, I think it's completely, uh, um, it's it's really not the way to think about this uh, national sovereignty problem. I, I, I believe there is a huge issue, but uh, but taxation is not the is not the the, the, the solution that is uh, that is going to help us
0: on this one. And that concludes this week's episode of Consumer. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow Institut Economique Molinari on Twitter at IEM underscore Molinari and of course follow the Consumer Choice Center as well at Consumer Choice C. As always I'm your host Bill Words. see you Thursday.
2: You have-